Hey everyone, I'm Chase Collette, and this is The Entrepreneurial Youth, the show where I talk to entrepreneurs, business people, young innovators, side hustlers, and everyone in between about their successes, stories, strategies, and how you can follow in their footsteps. And that is when I started... Um, yeah, that's when I, I started looking into the to the blockchain and to the cryptocurrency space. And it it was weird at first. It had a really steep learning curve. It was very technical, but uh, it became very clear to me that this was going to be one of the biggest wealth generation events uh, ever ever seen in the world. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Entrepreneurial Youth. Something I've been thinking about a lot recently is how quickly our world is changing. The modern U.S. dollar was first printed in 1862 and since then has been the main currency of the U.S. In the 160 years since that first dollar, U.S. currency has hardly changed. Twelve years ago, though, a new, a new currency was created called Bitcoin. Like all things in the last two decades, currency is now moving to the digital world. While it's still on the fringes of economics, Bitcoin has gained popularity in the last few years and months. With massive public figures like Elon Musk investing billions in Bitcoin, I brought on Nicholas Proughton to ask him about everything surrounding the space. Nick is an ambassador for the Load Project, a startup dedicated to building an easy-to-use digital wallet solution for the average consumer. But before I talk to Nick about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies, I wanted to know a bit more about his childhood. All right, so we have Nick on today. So Nick, this is the Entrepreneurial Youth. And as a part of my podcast, I want to benefit the youth as much as possible. So what were you like as a kid? How did your childhood set you up for your successes today? Um, that's a hilarious question. But first of all, uh, Chase, let me say it's a pleasure to be here uh, chatting with you today and be, be on the show. And uh, thanks for, for extending the invitation. Uh, I would say I was a difficult child and I'm almost 100% certain that my mother would agree with you on that. Um, <laughs> some people might like to take the easy route, but I think I learned literally by putting myself through the hardest possible path uh, on just about everything. Right. <laughs> um, um, and, uh, you know, that being said, that being said, all humor aside, I, I, I was somebody who had a very strong sense of independence and the desire to prove myself, uh, even at a very young age, I was always really focused on a key goal at the time. I wanted to be an artist, uh, when I was around your age and I right. actually got accepted eventually into one of Canada's top arts. Really? Schools. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, high art society is, is not all it's cracked up to be. And it's, uh, that's an entirely separate show, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, I was all, always a very driven, driven person. And, uh, and in, in addition to always being a person that kind of wanted to take the hard route because, um, I felt like at the end of the day, this was going to equip me better for life. I feel like you're really insulated in a, in a high school or even in a college environment, right? You're, right. you're, you're dealing with a controlled uh, experiment. Very right? much so. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, when I was 14 years old, I went immediately out as soon as I got my social insurance number and got my first job, right. got fired from it, but you know, <laughs> but the passion, but the passion was there. Um, and, and because of that, I think today that, uh, that passion, that, that drive is still with me, but I'm also, um, 
I have a very strong sense of comfort in my skill set and my my ability to get things done, right? Uh, independent of other people, and I think that was largely because of of you know the way I was as a child, right? Um, so a couple of things that I want to ask, just out of curiosity, what would what? How old were you when you got your first job there? Uh, so you get your social insurance number when you're 14 years old. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I'm obviously I'm from America, so I'm not quite sure how everything works in, in Canada. Yeah. But that's awesome because I, I believe I believe that's the age that Americans can start working too. Yeah, we're um, pretty what, similar in most respects. Yeah. What? What? Just out of curiosity, what was that first job? It was a subway. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't glamorous, I'll tell you that much. Uh, great cookies though uh, on the breaks. Um, yeah, you know, it, uh, me and my best friend at the time, um, you know, we're both just really ambitious people that wanted to, yeah. um, to start early. Right. And it didn't matter that we were at the bottom of the ladder because let's face it, when you're 14 years old, you don't really have much going for you. Yeah. Like, there's not, there's not a whole lot of past business, business experience built up there. Right. Can't really go, can't really go to the top, you know, fortune 500 and say, Hey, I've got 50 <laughs> years of experience. So so after talking to Nick about his childhood, I really wanted to get to know how he got from being the kid at the bottom of that corporate food chain to being the marketing director at a successful company. As it turns out, Nick is in a far crazier story than I first realized. And the craziest part is that he's done everything without graduating college. Miles. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. so um, through this, I... Um, I, I actually uh, went up into Kelowna and I got a lead uh, into my into my first uh, tech job actually through uh, Karen Olson, uh, mm-hmm. who is the, now the CEO of Atomic 47. Um, at the time, she was playing an executive role in a tech startup that uh, is a moderation software, so cybersecurity uh, right. called um, uh, Two Hat Security, and they are uh, the technology behind the moderation software of places like Twitch, uh, Roblox, um, lots of major MMORPGs out there in the gaming world for those of uh, gamer fans out there. And what that does is it prevents uh, pedophiles from getting to kids and keeping communities <laughs> safe and stuff like that. So really, really serious stuff. And right. it was my job to uh, be uh, the the sales agent for that. So that was a really cool point in my career. I had the opportunity to go fly to all these different gaming conventions in Germany and the United States and San Francisco. Um, Sounds like a you know, Yeah, it was, it was a really cool period of time, man. Like I met uh, developers from all of, all of the most popular games out there. Um, and what this did was it really allowed me to hone my skill set uh, when it came to pitching products, ideas, and concepts to people. Um, obviously, I'm dealing with a specific product in this case. And I, and I, I worked within that uh, company for uh, a little, a little over a year, um, right, right. you know, got a lot done, you know, made introductions with the American military, angry birds, like you name it. I, I got to be a part of it. So really, really cool uh, chapter there. Um, from there, I, I migrated onto uh, the real estate industry. And so you can see here one, I'll take a quick pit stop here because it's kind of a quick long lesson. People go through a lot of career changes in their life. Right. Um, and it, on your entrepreneurial journey, don't think that you have to be stuck in one role or one identity or so you started for two, three years on this path and no, no, like, I don't want to do that anymore. That's okay. Most people go through four five, six, even seven, eight shifts in terms of their careers in life. So I went from sales agent, um, to, uh, to marketer, uh, with, uh, this, 
uh, this transition into a real estate advertising company, right? Um, which really allowed me to hone my acumen as it came to pay-per-click advertising, um, you know, sales copy mar- uh, language, and and generally uh, the 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 nuances between sales and um, sales and marketing, right. um, and how do we, how do you bring a product and present idea to a mass audience versus pitching one person in a boardroom, right? Right. Um, then. Uh, and then, and then came blockchain. So I was consulting a, um, I was consulting a business, uh, an e-commerce business on, on, on the side. And, uh, they said, Hey, I want to adopt cryptocurrency. Right. And I was like, what the hell is cryptocurrency? <laughs> what, what year Pardon. is this? Pardon. Yeah. Uh, this, we're now, we're now circa, we're now circa 2016. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 2016, I believe. And that is when I started, um, yeah, that's when I started looking into the, to the blockchain and to the cryptocurrency space. And it, it was weird at first. It had a really steep learning curve. It was very technical, but uh, it became very clear to me that this was going to be one of the biggest wealth generation events uh, ever, ever seen in the world. And that um, a lot of the major players that have big money in the world of finance were actually looking into this space, opening up departments in this space. And it seemed like a really cool opportunity to get to ride the wave versus, you know, ride its coattails. Right. You know, like usually in life, I think at least for me, what I've experienced is that, um, that uh, you don't get to come in at the beginning of something. You kind of get caught um in in the tailwind or you you get to be a late adopter right Right. um and i was like okay well i can be a player in this space i can establish a a presence and you know this is very very niche so maybe this is something to start look at and um and then sure enough um i got an opportunity to work on my first blockchain project and then uh unfortunately that didn't make it um, <laughs> I mean, uh, but that's also part of the entrepreneurial journey. You'll find that you'll fail a lot more often than you succeed. And that's okay. That's part of the learning experience. Silicon Valley has the, the fail fast. Um, uh, it's not a well, figure Men- of speech mentality yeah. kind of mentality, right? So, uh, build, measure, learn all of those, all of those snappy bud buzzwords. Um, right. but they're real, but they're real. They have practical application and they're valuable. So, um, after that project collapsed, uh, I then um, uh, reconnected with Karen about coming to join Atomic 47, um, spearheading their marketing and, um, and product design. And from that, uh, we came into contact with the Load Project. And I've been working with the Load Project as my sort of chief client since then. Uh, and I can dive into that as well. So that was really long-winded and I appreciate your patience, but that was nah. basically the, the timeline that I've had. And it's pretty unconventional, but well, it's very storied. So Nick has had a crazy life and it all led to him being the marketing director at the Canadian firm Atomic 47, which is an awesome name. I wanted to get a good idea of the challenges that Nick faces as the marketing director and how all of that connects to his extensive knowledge of the cryptocurrency space. Yeah, for sure. So, um, within, within the clientele that we have, I, I, uh, am essentially a consultant. It's my job to speak truth to power and to look at the products that we are building and advise on the best possible strategies and uh processes to build this app and bring 
being products from concept from I have a great idea into reality. And that's really what Atomic 47 is all about. We're essentially an incubator. We take mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and people who are ambitious, who have great ideas that are just beginning their journeys and we nurture them and we help them build the teams around them that are going to lead them to success. Um, you know, my, my wheelhouse uh, when it pertains to marketing is, you know, getting uh, a solid flow of social media content going, getting uh, advertising strategies in place, connecting with PR agencies uh, and everything, everything in between, you know, talking to influencers, getting influencers on board with programs and, and finding the product market fit. Um, And then on the product side, of course, as I just mentioned, it's about making experiences that are intuitive and easy to use for people. Right. So you're, you're a connector. You connect the product side of business to the marketing side of business, help them interweave and exchange and then benefit from both of each other. Yeah. I mean, the two are not mutually exclusive, right? Like they're they're two very different roles. And you'll find that if you're uh, an entrepreneur or you run a startup that you will almost always wear multiple hats. Of course. Um, You know, so the marketing, of course, of course, the the product I'm creating, I need to be able to market. But when I am saying I design a product, I'm talking about, you know, I am uh, sitting down with the team and saying, okay, so so and so wants to buy something, you know, how do we make the process of buying as easy as possible for people? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, makes perfect sense. Um, so and through that, so you have obviously you're developing products, and how did you come across LoadPay? Uh, they actually, uh, uh, we met them through a, a, uh, you know, the, the network. I mean, right now people aren't really doing events, but it was networking. It was a networking event that brought us together and, um, you know, it's hard right now. Hopefully we get back to it, but I'd say anybody again, looking to start entrepreneurial journeys, these networking events are really powerful places to connect with people, uh, get out of your social circle, get uncomfortable and just start talking to people about what you want to do because you're going to open up a lot of doors through those kinds of events. So that's how we discovered load pay. Um, they yeah. were actually local at the time in the city that we're a part of. Um, and Kelowna for, for those of uh, uh, those listening that might be interested um, is kind of like a little mini Silicon Valley. We got like over right. 500 tech startups in the area. Oh. Uh, and back in the nineties um, uh, Disney bought a little game called club, club penguin um out of here for 300 million dollars so you know flash forward 30 years later and um we have a thriving tech scene because of it right so so that's where we met load uh and um it became obvious that because um myself and uh a few other uh employees of atomic um and directors of atomic had experience in the blockchain space that um load had this great vision about how do we take gold and silver and put it on a blockchain and turn gold and silver back into money for people to use. Right. Um, and we need experts to help us do this. And, and uh, Atomic 47 was one, uh, was one body that was selected to do that with them. Right. So, uh, so obviously load pay is very much a blockchain uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Company. And yeah. so how, can you tell me a little bit more about their product? Because I have a very vague impression of it. And I also want my listeners to get a better understanding of what it exactly is that we're talking about. For sure. So um, the vision for, for um, we have multiple products. Let me put it this way. Uh, right. We have, we have multiple products. We have, we create uh, digital assets. We create our own cryptocurrency stable coin. Um, and every single one of our coins is backed by either gold or silver. 
right? Um, so we produce these assets and these assets are, are going on public exchanges where you can buy them, trade them just like you can Bitcoin or Ethereum or any other cryptocurrency out there on the market, right. except that it represents uh, a physical denomination of vaulted gold. Um, and the load pay specifically is the payment mobile wallet solution that we've created for people to, to spend, send, store, save uh, with um, with uh, cryptocurrencies and with the assets that we've created. It's essentially the PayPal of gold and silver is what we're creating with, with right. load pay to, to, to sum it up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're able to, within 30 seconds, start buying your Bitcoin, start buying some, some gold, some silver, uh, some Ethereum, what have you. You can also manage your personal or, or your, uh, your regular uh, cash within the app and you can... Um, in the future, you'll be able to um, run payments for your business through this platform as well. So it's pretty comprehensive right. uh, how we've chosen to attack the market. But hopefully, hopefully that gives you a picture of, of what we do. Yeah. So so it's an app for like your computer or your phone, right? Yep. And it's like an all-encompassing digital wallet you can invest in gold, silver, Bitcoin, Ethereum. Can you invest in Dogecoin? <laughs> you, well, we haven't listed Dogecoin yet and we have... We have reasons for that, right? Um, to, I, I, I use this on another podcast. He asked me, is Dogecoin a good investment? And I, I, I told him straight up, like, if you are a good trader, if you are a good cryptocurrency trader or even a good uh, day trader, like Dogecoin isn't actually a terrible pick. Lots of people have made tons of cash. But if you are just getting started in the cryptocurrency space, please, for the love of God, do not invest in Dogecoin because you will get burned. <laughs> <laughs> understandable i mean it is a currency based on a meme so yes. what do you expect well i um, mean do you, do you know the guy who founded that has been getting death threats because really? uh yeah because people bought in and the supply is unlimited it has right. a limitless supply and so people buy in at the ceiling and then it drops because more supply goes into circulation and he's getting these death threats being like you better stop this but he can't because the algorithm works independently of anybody right so so please don't invest in Dogecoin unless you're <laughs> really good at what you do. Right. Okay. Um, so I love it. Think that is an, it's an, honestly, it's an awesome business concept to hear about. And crypto is something that really, really is interesting to me because I mean, it was, I think it was two or three days ago. Now I saw that even, even big, big people like Elon Musk and Tesla just invested 1.5 billion into Bitcoin. So like ma- massive stuff is, stuff is happening in the industry. And so I've been really interested in it recently. So do you have like a 30 second elevator pitch for the benefits of Loadcoin and their, their products, gold, silver, Bitcoin, et cetera? Yeah, for sure. I'll give you a quick elevator pitch. I'll give you the elevator pitch for gold and silver because okay, I, I can go on for ages otherwise. So why should you have gold and silver? We used to use gold and silver as money throughout most of the world's history up until we moved away from the gold standard uh, in 1971. Um, uh, since then, most of the world's governments uh, now produce money that isn't backed by anything, which means right. it goes down in value year over year as they put more money into circulation. This is called inflation. And again, I'm just putting this out there for people who haven't studied or don't really have an interest in finance yet. Right. So, so what, when I was a kid, you used to go into a, 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 your local bodega, buy a can of pop. It cost me $1. Now I go to it and it costs me $2. That's mm-hmm. inflation right there. But yeah, it goes so, so slowly that you don't notice it. In fact, over the past 100 years, the US dollar has lost 90% of its purchasing power. 
Right. That's crazy. That's crazy amount of depreciation. And that is mm-hmm. largely in part because we moved away from a gold standard. It became less and less and less backed until eventually we moved away from it completely. So um, precious metals, gold and silver, have a longstanding reputation as being inflation resistant. They preserve their value and appreciate. They are considered stable. And this is why during times of uh, uncertainty when like the 2008 financial crisis hit or, uh, you know, most recently we've, uh, the world's been going through a very strong depression. People flock to things like gold and silver as ways to protect their wealth. Right. right? Um, so this is why almost every financial advisor out there will say at least 10% of your portfolio should be in something like gold and silver. Now, um, now the experience of buying gold and silver today is a archaic. It sucks. Um, right. You go to a bullion dealer, you ask for a one ounce coin, you look online, the spot price of silver says it's worth, uh, you know, $10, but the bullion dealer charges you 15, right? That's a, mm-hmm. that's a 50% markup. That's terrible. Right. Right. And then you go to sell and he gives you $8 for it. Right. So you're hemorrhaging money on both sides. That's not, and it becomes difficult to take your wins. Uh, what we can do by putting it on a blockchain is we can make it, we, we get rid of the need of you having to store this. And because it's easily accessible on exchanges, you can buy and sell it. So if you want to swap out for Bitcoin in lightning at lightning speed, you can. Um, and, uh, and um, beyond that, um, the, yeah, you're not really having to pay the fees. It's lightning fast. You can use it practically. Uh, right. You can swap out to other currencies and you get the benefits of the fact that it's backed by a precious metal. So it's, you know, super secure and stable in financial markets comparatively. Now people will go, well, if I want to preserve my wealth, why not invest in Bitcoin? Bitcoin's going to the moon. Bitcoin's going to $60,000. Bitcoin is still super volatile. Elon yes. Musk, Elon Musk belches and you know, the market fluctuates. If he ever yeah. wants to take out even half of the amount that he's invested in there, Bitcoin could just Im- collapse you know, and, and then you could lose a substantial amount of money um, depending on how far you're into it. So it's risky. Right. And that's okay to have risky things as part of your portfolio. Um, You know, those are considered high growth, you know, high risk options, which, you know, certainly are worth pursuing, but um, comparatively to gold and silver, Bitcoin is extremely volatile and, um, and, and gold and silver preserve their value a lot longer. So that's why people should buy into gold and silver. Period. Of course. And what we do is we make it super easy and super accessible. Um, and we give it to people at a fraction of what they can buy it for in the physical market today. Right. So after talking to Nick about all the benefits of cryptocurrencies and load pay, I wanted to get a bit more of a technical understanding of the background of the cryptocurrency space. So in this next section, I talked to Nick about what exactly the term blockchain stood for and some of the legal implications of cryptocurrencies. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's see if I can do the Coles Notes version of this. Uh, blockchains, Just, yeah, super simple. So blockchains are algorithms that uh, act as a virtual handshake to transfer value where banks and uh, institutions like Visa have historically performed this service in the past. So right. rather than needing these banks or these institutions to say, yes, uh, Jack is transferring $100 to Tracy, uh, the algorithm, the blockchain, you know, says, yeah, we, uh, we, we the, all of the computers that are processing this transaction agree uh, Jack is sending $100 to Tracy. That's essentially what a blockchain does. 
Okay, so so very very simply, it's taking the place of a bank or a, or a credit card or a Venmo or whatever and transferring that wealth, in, in essence. Kind of. Yes, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you you okay? One second. Da, 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 da. I obviously I want to focus on cryptocurrency very much for this for, the, for this episode, but I do want to ask really quickly: How is it that you and your company? have helped load pay in their, and their apps and their projects. How have you marketed that and how have you blown up their business? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's, it's been, uh, we've, we've been in essentially from very close to the ground floor. So we uh, have assisted in everything from uh, what blockchains, uh, deciding what blockchains we're going to be on, building the proprietary uh, members portal and wallet solutions. Uh, so everything that you experience from a technical side on the platform, Atomic 47 had a hand in building, if not actually developed for, uh, for on behalf of the project. Um, uh, when it comes to marketing, you know, it's a really tricky thing um, because the regulation around the cryptocurrency space has been uh, so volatile, almost as volatile as Bitcoin itself, yeah. right? Uh, it's been a long, arduous four years of working with regulators to be able to be loud about this. Um, right. Lots of coins just, you probably have heard of coins that have just gone out there into the world and just started marketing. Sure, okay, they might get away with it. They might put get something on Binance. But what happens is they get slapped with a multi-million dollar lawsuit a couple years down the road. And whether or not they win that lawsuit, it costs a ton of money, right? Right To, to go through these proceedings, to pay lawyers, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's bad news bears if you, uh, if you don't go take the slow and uh, long and steady path. Um, again, the whole metaphor of the tortoise, the hare comes to mind. Um, and so now 2021, we're really bringing this, uh, to the, to the world in a big way. And so this includes conversations with people like yourself, Chase, Mm -hmm. Uh, I've done probably close to 40, 50 podcasts in the past month. Um, right. God damn. Uh, that's a lot. Right. And, uh, in addition to that, it's combination of advertising, knowing where your target market is. Right. So, um, collaborating with, uh, Reddit, uh, communities, advertising on Reddit, brave browser is really popular one, which you should, anybody listening should probably check out brave browser for free crypto. Um, uh, you know, advertising strategies, PR strategies. So going to news and publications and publishing, uh, news stories and getting people who can get us into the Forbes of the world and the, you know, the big news sources of the world and, and not have it appear like it's a sponsored video. Right. You know, just to have organic stories get picked up, what's called earned media um, on this. And then, of course, being being thought leaders and uh, when we can attending events and shows and and speaking on what we do, why we do it, how we do it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And and becoming industry sort of thought leaders, the people who are putting the 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 bleeding edge ideas out into the into the space. And so all of these things with a healthy dash of social media constitute how we bring something to market right so in, in effect you at, at atomic 47 you have gone to leading industry leading industry experts and leading industry publications and brought them load pay project and like here here's this cool thing um and you've also blown it up on social media and basically just publicized the company in essence yep yeah i mean i mean if you if you're distilling it down to to that level it's a little more complicated than that yeah. like the nature of it's not like we go directly to Forbes and knock some Forbes doors yeah. and go, hi Forbes, please publish us. Um, you know, they they'll go, yeah, we can, but we'll give you this little tag that says you paid for it, right? right. Um, and that doesn't look as cool as a journalist just publishing content, right? That mentions you or that is about you, right? And that requires working with 
uh, third parties like um, like uh, public relations agencies that help us to connect to journalists and uh, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of intricacy that goes into it, but um, I wouldn't have it any other way to be honest. Right. It, I mean, it makes it the the what is the word I'm looking for? The barrier to entry is that much higher, and then it's that and, and then other companies have more a more difficult time getting into big publications like that making stories like yours like even more important yeah and what's what's great about it is you know once you do it once it becomes a lot easier right um you know uh because you've established these relationships these networks you can then go back to lean on them again so uh it's it's a really long haul getting there the first time around but by the time you're releasing a second product or third product it becomes a lot easier because you have established these networks normally towards the end of my interviews i ask my guests their advice for young entrepreneurs Nick is a bit different, though, because he doesn't own his own company, and he's more in the finance space, so I decided that I would change up the questions this time around. This week, I asked, what are your two pieces of advice for a young investor? Uh, I would immediately say, go talk to a financial advisor. I am not a financial advisor. Nothing you hear from me is financial advice. Uh, I am just one man with a disclaimer. I am just one man with an opinion. That said... I think that you should probably, uh, the first thing you should do is immediately start absorbing content revolving around investing in financial information. Uh, the Wealthy Barber, uh, Think and Grow Rich. There's lots of great old books that are still really applicable today that teach you how to grow wealth. Knowledge is right. power. All the titans, titans of industry do it. They listen to books at 1.5 speed. Get learned. Get good. Um, that's, that's step one. Uh, step two is obviously go over to loadpay.com and open up an account and start buying digital <laughs> gold and silver. But um, but but really, there is a great number of platforms out there that do make it really easy for you guys to start getting your your toes wet in this stuff. Right. And um, you know, y- you got to get some skin in the game. So never invest what you can't afford to lose. Right? If you are you know if you're saving up for university, do not put your college money into bitcoin that's a dumb that's a dumb move um you know but that being said if you have dedicate 75 percent of your paycheck to to you know long-term planning or the goals that you have and then the other 25 percent is kind of like your fun money yeah go ahead and stick that fun money that you're not scared to lose everything on into your investment portfolio um uh and and really it's about picking what platform you're comfortable with and 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 going going into it there are lots of different options out there. Well, simple is another really good one for traditional stocks and bonds uh, and ETFs. Um, uh, again, I think the Lolo Pay app is a great place to get started. Um, and but there's also all the major exchanges as well, right? And it's it's scary at first making your first purchase, but you're not going to learn how to invest by watching. Right. You you can read all of the speculative like how to books in the world, but it doesn't change make you a good investor until you've actually bought into the market and you've uh, and you've learned uh, what it means to hold and what it means to trade and take wins and profits. And that can only be done through doing. Right. Um, the final piece of investment I will say is get a strategy together. Right. Um, so, you know, I will give you a very basic out of the box strategy and then you guys can go alter that to fit your needs. Again, not a financial advisor, hashtag not a financial advisor. Um, so the, the it goes, have a contingency fund. So that's three to six months of your living expenses saved up. That right. that's your safety net. That's if like if if you know it all goes it all if it all goes sideways, you're covered. 
um, from there, after you have your security net, then um, start uh, getting a portfolio going. In Canada, we have what's called an RRSP, which is a retirement savings plan uh, right. in which, uh, you know, you put your money into that and, um, and you can get a nice big tax return at the, end of the, the, at the end of the year if you do that. So any Canadians that might eventually listen, please do that. In the United right. States, it's obviously going to be different. But then once you have your, your safety net in place, now you can start looking at what you want to invest in. Uh, 10% uh, gold and silver, um, precious metals. Um, I would say 10 to 20%, 10 to 20% into cryptocurrencies. Right. Um, maybe if you're feeling really ambitious, you guys can take a little more risk on maybe, maybe you want to bump that up to 30, 40, uh, maybe even 50 if you're feeling really bullish. Um, the rest of that is going to go into stocks, bonds, and ETFs. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that is a really basic, but pretty standard fare portfolio. And, to, to my listeners, I'm just going to toss this idea out here. Obviously, the younger you are, the better off you are if you lose. You're, you're able to take more risk the younger you are yeah. because you have more time to gain it back. And yeah. so, as you said, we're, we're able to probably take a little bit more risk than someone who's 40 or 50 would be able to. Yeah. And, and so, go ahead. The, the other thing as well is that that, that interest is compounding, right? Um, right. Like start now. Yeah. You know, like 8% year over year is a pretty colossal amount. 11% year over year is a pretty colossal amount. So, you know, I didn't really start aggressively saving until I was in my mid twenties. You do it when you, and you do it when you're 16, you're going to be laughing by the time you hit 30, right? right. The running joke that most people say about their thirties is they're just like your twenties, but you have money. Right. <laughs> right. right. But, uh, and then, but that's only going to happen if you start prudent saving now. And um, right. find a way to make it fun. Like I was always raised on this sort of weird idea that like taxes and finances were really boring and whatever, but like, it's really exciting to see your wealth grow, to see that money come in, right? Facts. Facts, right? So find a way to make it fun for you and, uh, and, and yeah, get a plan in place, learn, learn about the industry, learn about the space and how to invest properly. And, um, and yeah, pick your platform and get some skin in the game. And that was my interview with Nicholas Froughton. I just want to say that this was one of the most interesting podcast interviews I've done yet. I had a lot of fun during this recording, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. So thanks for listening today, and I hope that you learned something. It would help me immeasurably if you would think about rating and reviewing the show. On iTunes, you can just scroll down and press the five-star review, and on Spotify, you just have to click the follow button. I'll end this episode with one of my favorite quotes from Steve Jobs, because... I think it exemplifies both myself and you guys, the listeners. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the ones that see things differently. You can glorify them, vilify them. The one thing you can't do is ignore them. We'll see you guys next Monday.